Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them and that he was also a necrophiliac. You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your host, Maddie Mack, Todd Fox, and Daddy Gun. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast. This is your host for today, Gabby, along with our narrator for today, Maddie Matt, and our other host of the show, Todd Fox. Thank you, guys. So... Before we get started, uh, Matt has a story for us, but before we get into that, we're going to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram under Grinding True Crime, and you can listen to all of our previous episodes uh, through Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. And if you're out of the country, which we appreciate your support, by the way, you can listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. And as always, because we do get into detail about these crimes, they can be a little bit disturbing and gory. We do advise, listener discretion is advised. Also, uh, to finish off this introduction, we, we also have merchandise and you can find it on Redbubble. You can type uh, in the search box, Todd Fox 80, and you will see all of the things we have available for our true crime podcast. So with that being said, Let's get started, Maddie Matt. What do you have for us? Okay, so I have for you guys a story from another country once again. And this time we are going to fly not too far from us, from the U.S., but, you know, still another country. We are going to take it to the Canada. To the Canada? To the Canada. To the Canada. Canada. Oh, God. We're going to go all the way over there. Oh, the six. Is. Yeah, my sister actually lives there along with my baby nephew. He's Canadian. So this story is interesting. You know what? I went online because I know I was going to do one this week and I just typed in, you know, top crimes uh, out the country and Canada popped up and I was just like, okay, Canada, all right, let's check it out. And there was five crimes that hit the news that was like big time in Canada. And this was one. This is the story of a gentleman named Mark Lepine. Mark Lepine. Yes. Did he steal all the uh, maple syrup? Eh? Don't go there, Todd. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> you already starting up. You cutting up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Oh man. So this, like I said, we were talking about Mark Lepine. Okay. Now his name has changed. He was originally born. Gamil Rodrigue Leos Garvey. French dude. Yeah. Well, he well, first he was born October 26, 1964, in Montreal, Quebec, Quebec. His father was Algerian. He was an Algerian immigrant, and his name was Rashid Leos Garvey. And his mother 
with a Canadian nurse named Monique Lepine. So remember that. He also had a little baby sister named Nadia, and she was born in 1967. Now, during the time where uh, Mark was born, his father, who was a, a fund salesman, was traveling in the Caribbean at this time. So he wasn't even around when, when Mark was born. He was a what? A mutual fund salesman. Oh. Yeah. But like I said, he was traveling in the Caribbean at the time, enjoying himself, having a great time when Mark was born. And during this absence, his mother, Mark's mother, found out that this man wasn't true. He wasn't true to his words of being committed. She mm. found evidence of her husband cheating and having an affair. Mm. So things are already getting shaken up. Yep. Now, their father, who was a Muslim, but he was not practicing, and his mother was a Catholic, she rejected organized religion and she didn't want anything to do with it. Even though their son was baptized as Catholics, he he didn't want anything to do with religion as well. So he really didn't have no like he didn't have no godly morals growing up, mm. so to speak. Yeah. So he was atheist. Mm. He was atheist. Okay. Um, most of the times in his childhood, he was moving frequently. And early in his childhood, he spent most of his time in Costa Rica and Puerto Rico, where his father was working for a Swiss mutual funds company. The family had returned to Montreal permanently in 1968. And this is when things started to happen. Rashid, his father, was very abusive, very possessive, and he was an authoritarian. He wanted everyone to respect his authority, and he didn't care who it was. And he was also very abusive towards women. Good guy. Yep. He was frequently violent towards his wife, as well as his two children. Who would have guessed he would be authoritarian? (laughs) Hey, right? (laughs) He had believed that women, especially his wife, were intended only to serve men. Of course, he's Muslim. Mm. Well, he was Muslim, but he wasn't practicing that. <laughs> okay, but just, I mean, a lot of times, even if you don't practice whatever religion you are, you still have those ideas in your mind because that's how you were raised. That's true. Well, he, he wasn't no saint, and he continues to show why. He yet required his wife to act as his personal secretary, slapping her if she made a mistake, and forcing her to retype documents in spite of her cries and the cries of her little children. So he saw, the Mark and his sister saw all of this at a young age, seeing his mom being abused, seeing how his father treated his mom, basically making it seem like women weren't proud. Wow. He, he was also neglectful and abusive towards his children, especially Mark. He had no tenderness whatsoever, and and there was no spoiling whatsoever. So he was basically just a jerk to his kids. A tyrant. He sounds like it. Yeah. It wasn't until 1970 when Rashid hit his wife so hard that it left a mark on her face 
was when she finally decided to leave. The legal separation happened in 1971 and finalized in 1976, they finally got a divorce. Following the separation, the Mark's mother lived with, lived with his, I'm sorry, Mark lived with his mother and younger sister. And soon after that, their home and possessions were seized when Rashid defaulted on mortgage payments. So it already had a screwed up childhood. Yeah. Mark was afraid of his father and at first sight on a weekly supervised visit. The visits ended quickly and Rashid ceased contact with his children soon after the separation. So at this time, the father didn't want nothing to do with it. So Mark and his father was completely done. It had nothing to do with him anymore. And he never saw his father again on that same on that occasion. Wow. Yeah. His father stopped making child support payments. Um, after that, his mother decided to return back to nursing school. She started taking further courses to advance her career. And during this time, the children lived with other family members during the week, seeing that their mother, seeing their mother only on the weekends. So, I don't know about you, bro, but that would affect me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kids I going mean, back and forth to like that, the abuse they've seen, and then it seems like the father's winning again, you know, getting majority custody. I mean, that's... that's yeah. Tough. That's not good. Well, he, at this point, he, he, he wanted nothing to do with it. He separated from, from them at, completely, and he stopped paying for the child support. So, basically, they were on oh. their own. Oh, okay, okay, okay. My bad. I thought yeah, was... yeah. They, they was he, he was completely out the picture at this point. So the mom had to take care of everything. So the mom had to go back to nursing school, started working, and because of that, they wouldn't see her only on the weekends because they had to go from family member to family member. Well, sad. How old were they at this point again? Uh, this was in 1976. He was born in 1964, so he was 12 years old. Yeah, he was 12 years old, and his little sister was nine. What do you, you think so far? Oh, I just, you know, this is something. You can tell who the bad guy is right off the bat. Uh, but but the, the way he's having to go back and forth, the, the way he's being raised, uh, it's not good. Yeah. What Now, my question is, what do you think is the trauma that he may experience as a as an adult. I'm gonna say definitely abuse towards women because that's what he saw was normal. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Either, he either he takes his aggression out on on the female, like uh like uh, Gabby said, or he's gonna take his aggression out on uh on men that are abusive. That point too. Yeah. Uh, that's true. That's true. I mean, he could look at older men and say, hey, you remind me of my dad. Screw you. Yeah. 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 Now, during this time, uh, she was concerned about her children and parenting skills. So she sought the help of family from a, a psychiatric at the St. June's Hospital. Um, and they assessed it that there was nothing wrong and there was everything was OK with Mark. They just said that he was shy and withdrawn because of the trauma that he experienced. Yeah, withdrawn should tell you a lot. 
-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Normally, children who are withdrawn are dealing with a lot of mental issues. However, they did say there was something wrong with Nadia, the sister, and they recommended therapy for his sister because she had a challenging of authority. So she, they did recommend some therapy for the sister, but for, for Mark, they said he was cool. He was just shy. Wow. Yeah. So after the after the divorce was final in 1976, and by then they're 12 and 9, um, they, uh, like I said, returned to the family. In 1977, the family moved to a house purchased in the middle-class Montreal suburb of Pierre Fonts. There, Mark attended a junior high and high school where he described where he was described as a quiet but above average student. So he didn't do bad. He didn't do bad, but he was very quiet, kind of reserved to himself. There he had developed a friendship with another boy, but they didn't fit in, but he did not fit in with the other students. A lot of he experienced a lot of bullying because of his last name and his, well, his full name exactly. They thought he was an Arab. And because of that, at the age of 14, he finally legalized his name and changed it to Mark Lepine. So he was born Gamille Roderick Lias Garby. His last name was Garby from his dad, but he changed it to Mark Lapine, who was his mother's surname. So he took his mother's last name at this time, at the age of 14. Hmm. And the reason for it was his severe hatred towards his father. <laughs> so he didn't want nothing to do with it. I could see that. <laughs> He was very uncommunicative and showed little emotions, and he suffered from low self-esteem. And that was because he had severe acne. Really? Yeah, he was uh, severely, he was chronically uh, covered with acne. Ooh. So he had, the, he had yeah. a crater face and stuff like that. <laughs> that's that's pretty bad. Dude, that's nothing, nothing's worse than the crater face, bro. I'm just saying. <laughs> Have you seen Edward James almost? He's got more craters than the moon on his face. I'm you know, you, you jacked up right there, Todd. Yeah, <laughs> you really jacked up. You're jacked up. And you know what? There's a picture of this guy. And I'm not going to sit here and say that he's handsome. Let's just say he's... Because he's not? <laughs> hey, man. I, I, <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't trust him. I, I would If I was a female, I wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't trust his look. I'm going to put it like that. Oh God! Okay. What you trying to say, Ty? <laughs> Never trust a crater face, I guess. <laughs> oh man! Now the relationship with his family still remained difficult. His younger sister publicly humiliated, humi humiliate, humiliated, humiliated him. Uh -huh. Dude, I couldn't even get the word. <laughs> publicly humiliated him because of his acne and his lack of girlfriends. So not only does he cover with acne, he ain't getting that. Well, at least he's getting so the love and support of his family. Doing the bullying. So, yeah, because she don't respect authority. And so she is abusive, humiliating him, making fun of him, and teasing him up and down. And he's, she's the youngest. Wow. Yeah. This caused him to fantasize about her death and on one occasion, he made a mock grave of her. And in 1881, when she was placed in a group home because of her delinquent behavior and drug abuse, 
he celebrated. Wow. Yeah. So she was really messed up. So she was very messed up. And 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 we're gonna skip we're gonna skip her life and go straight ahead. In nineteen ninety six, the her drug abuse came to a fault and she passed away because of a, a abuse, a drug overdose. of overdose and of, of cocaine. So eventually she ended up killing herself. And he celebrated that too. Well, if you got to that point. Wow. So. Oh, what? If you got to that point. So yeah, that was in 1996. That was his little sister who died of overdose. Now, because of his upbringing and because of his lack of friendship and his low self-esteem, his mother arranged for him to have a role model. So she took up to the Big Brother program and they assigned him a big brother. And what? So the, the that big brother, exists? Yeah, the big brother program. You heard of that, right, Tom? Oh, yeah, that, that works. Uh, what is it called? It's mostly in the inner city. They give you a role model to look up to, and he kind of takes you under the wing. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but I will say this, though. A lot of times that has gone the wrong way. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes. So go ahead. Yes. Well, if that's the case, I ain't going to say no more. You, you handle it, brother. Yeah, you see, yeah. He's so right. mom applied for that. So she arranged for that, and he got a role model. And how old was he now? This is 19... Uh, This is 1979. So this started in 1977, but like Todd mentioned, I'm going to get into why I said 1979. So in 1977, this was the arrangement, and for two years, the experience proved positive for Mark often with his best friend enjoyed time photographing and going to motocrosses and hanging out with his so-called big brother. Mm -hmm. So it, it worked out pretty good for him. However, in 1979, the meetings with the big brother program ceasedly abruptly because some of the members of the big brother program was detained on suspicion of molestation of young boys. Yeah. Yep, yep. Is that what you was talking about, Todd? There it is. That's exactly what happens with that. That's what sucks. Um, yeah. It, it's like, it's like I was told one time, like, if you see a, uh, if you see a guy wanting to be a little league coach or a Pop Warner coach for football and is dying and eager to be that, don't hire him because he's yep. there for the wrong reasons. If it's a he's father, that, yeah. If it's a father, it's like, God damn it, do I have to coach these brats? Hire that man. <laughs> Because he has no interest in your kids. Especially if he does not have any kids going to that program at all. If he's just regular <laughs> Joe Schmo and I want to, hey, I want to teach Pop Warner and teach these kids, young kids, get away from my boys and go find you a, a, somewhere else, man. Exactly. If the, if the guy's first sentence is, I always love children. Like, no. no I'm no. Be like, hey, my man. <laughs> <laughs> You need to go. It can be creepy. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, exactly. Of course. So, so did he molest him too? So, so let's get um, Both Mark and his big brother <laughs> denied that there was any molestation that occurred. So, in his occasion, uh, on his behalf, in his case, no. there was no molestation. They Well, they both denied it. Is there any proof to it? Not sure, but okay. definitely that, that program ceased after 1979. Now, as a teenager, Mark owned several guns. He owned he owned an air rifle, 
And at this time, he used to use it to shoot pigeons near his home with his friends. And along with that, they had designed a lot of electronics and gadgets and whatnot. So prior to the the decease of it, the cease of the Big Brother program, he you know he enjoyed his good times. He enjoyed shooting his gun, uh, creating stuff, and so it did work out. He had developed an interest in World War II and an admiration of Adolf Hitler. He also enjoyed action and horror movies. Okay, okay, okay. So he's killing animals early. Got that. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes really right wing or whatever, and he's all into Adolf Hitler because, you know, all the he's all the rage with the kids, by the way, Adolf mm-hmm. Hitler. He's, Hitler's such a popular guy. Um, yeah. Okay, this yeah. guy's off to a sparkling start. <laughs> Very good start. I mean, if your interest is Adolf Hitler, <laughs> hey, bruh, <Yeah. laughs> can, can I be your friend? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weren't you a big Adolf Hitler? Don't you have, don't you have his jersey, Matt? <laughs> don't shoot me, Mike. <laughs> How? Now there was some good, and and Mark, he he did. You know, he, he was very responsible at the house. Um, he did help out his mom in cleaning and helping and repairing uh, certain things at the house. So while his mom was at work, he did take care of certain things at the house. So there was some good in him. At this time, this, the date is September 81. He's the age of 17, and he had applied to join the Canadian Air Force, but was rejected during the interview process for reasons unannounced. Well, he was up. later told that his. I'm sorry. Hold, hold on. Uh, they have an air force. Canadian force. Well, no, I'm sorry. Not an air force. It's just Canadian force. I'm sorry. They have an yeah. army. <laughs> hey, I guess he was applying as an officer cadet. I just thought they had a bunch of hockey players with sticks. You know what, Todd? You stop being so disrespectful. <laughs> hey, we're gonna go destroy you guys, eh? Come on, buddy. I'm quite sure every country got some kind of army somewhere tucked in. Okay. Just make, make, I wasn't too sure. You know, like those guys are just too nice up there. Shout out to I Canada. love my Canadians, even though I know two of them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this was uh, September 81, 1980, uh, September of 1981, he was the age of 17. Uh, he was he was later told by his friend it was the reason why he didn't get uh, – he, he was rejected was because of the difficulties accepting authority and in his suicide letter note noted that he had been found to be very anti-social. Suicide letter. Yeah. Oh, you just jumped ahead a lot. Well, not really. Suicide, huh? Yeah, wrote a suicide letter. This was in 1981. So he's kind of crazy. Seems like. It. Well, what do you I'm think not about? Give him the term crazy because he wants to commit suicide. A lot of people go through. Well, yeah, when, yeah. When you're at that age and you're going through a lot of turmoil with the family and stuff like that, and being bullied and stuff, I'm quite sure a lot of kids think about suicide. So, you know, he was going through a lot. So he probably already had letters on deck. So, so that was the the young life of Mark. Let's get into his adulthood where it gets to the nitty-gritty. The nitty-gritty. Uh, let's see. This is the year 1982 
and he was 18 at the time. His family had moved to St. Laurent, whereas that's closer to his mother's work. St. Laurent. So he's staying in French area then. Yeah, St. Laurent. You know what? I always liked that that accent, to be honest, that, that French. So there where he moved, he moved away more closer to his mom's job. So therefore he kind of lost contact with his school friends after the move because it was distance from where he went to school. And this marked the period of the seven years which he described in a note of having brought him no joy. He was going through it. Moving away from his family, well, moving away from his friends and his big brother program and all this stuff, this is just really brought him down. In August of 1982, Mark began a two-year pre-university course in pure science at Segip de Saint-Laurent, failing two courses in the first semester, but improving his grades considerably in the second semester. So he was smart. He was very intelligent. He just, like I said, went through a lot. He worked part-time at a local hospital where his mother was a director of nursing. He also served food and he did some custodial work. So the mom had a good job. Mom had a good job. The mom took care of business after the father left them and abandoned them. She she did her thing. That's good. I mean, I'm not saying it's uncommon. It's just most of these kids that have all these issues is because both parents were messed up. Yeah. So the fact that she was taking responsibility and doing everything she could take care of him. Yeah. At the job where he worked, he was considered very hyperactive, very immature by his colleagues. And even there, he developed an attraction for an employee, but he was too shy to act on his feelings. Mm. Mm. That's not good because, yeah, a lot of those guys that have those social issues or they turn out to be Mm -hmm. the way that they are, they they cannot relate to other human beings. Mm -hmm. They they got like Asperger's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, some people we know. After a year of college, he switched from the university. Hey, look, stop. <laughs> you brought it out. That's cold blood. And you just you just try to walk over it like it never happened, didn't you? Me and Gabby hey, bro, got that. I, I didn't say a word. I didn't say no name. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> After a year of college, he switched from the university of science program into the electronics uh, program and that was a three-year technical program geared more towards immediate employee employment mm-hmm. um, his teacher had remembered him as being a model student quiet hardworking, and doing well in the class particularly those in the, elect- in the electrical field and there was an unexplained drop in his marks in, in the fall of 1985 and his grades. And in 1986 of February, during the last term of his program, he suddenly and without explanation stopped attending classes as a result of failing to complete his diploma. So he was doing good for a minute, and then out of nowhere, went downhill. Went downhill. Well, what was going on during that time? You know what? Uh, going through what he went through at a young age, seeing his mom being abused him being abused i don't know if he was sexually abused by his father i I don't it didn't say but it wouldn't surprise me if he was but 
all that stuff catches up to you. I don't care how old you get and how much you try to block it out of your life. It catches up to you. That Do you agree, Todd? I agree. Because that's where a lot of these guys, it, it, it's like a moment in time where it just, it'll hit them and then it sticks with them. And no matter what they do, they either have nightmares or they have freaking just, I don't know, just reoccurring stuff that no matter what they do, they kind of use those moments that screwed them over in life as going uh, or things. Basically, they use that to judge people in other situations. They go off of that, and that's probably one of them. Yeah, I agree. In the fall of 1987, in order to complete his diploma, well, his college diploma, Mark took courses. He took three courses, obtaining good marks in all three of them. And in February of 1988, wait a minute, I skipped one. Hold on, sorry, go back. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back on this one. I forgot part. Mark had moved out of his mom's home at this time of the year of 1986. After he didn't complete his diploma, he had moved out of his mom's home and got his own apartment. And there... What was he doing? Well, that was... He was still working part-time. He was still working part-time. Remember, he was working at the the hospital with Mm -hmm. his mom part-time. So he had moved out of his mom's home, got his own apartment, and in 1986, he applied to study engineering at... I'm going to butcher this school. Ecole Polytechnique de Montreal. Oh, you did pretty good. Well, you know, I am mixed with French, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, suddenly came out. It came out somewhere. (laughs) My favorite character is Gambit. He was, (laughs) there he was admitted on the condition that he complete two compulsory courses, including one in solution chemistry. And in 1987, Unfortunately, he was fired from his job at the hospital for his aggressive behavior, as well as being disrespectful to his superiors and a carelessness in his work. So, unfortunately, he lost his job. Mm. He was sacking up all the things he couldn't do with his dad. Well, I think because of his dad, he didn't have respect for uh, authority. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He didn't react like that with his father because he wasn't allowed to because of how the dad was. So when he's no longer there, all of those behaviors come out toward everybody else because you feel you can. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he was so enraged that he was fired. He described a plan to commit a murderous rampage, and at the time of the rampage, he wrote a note on how he would do a murder suicide. His friends had noticed that his friends noted that he was very unpredictable at this time and he was always flying and rageous when he was frustrated. Wow. Now, in the fall of 1987, in order to complete his college diploma, Mark took three courses obtaining good marks in all of them. And in February of 1988, he began a course in computer programming at a private college in downtown Montreal funding his students with government student loans. Wow. There, he moved into a downtown apartment with some of his old high school friends. So it looks like things are working out for him. And in the winter of 1989, he took a GEGEP night course in solution chemistry at the Ecole Polytechnique program. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, something is going on in Mark's life that he's in need of. What do you think he's in need of? Um, I'm gonna say he needs to release that rage he has. He's he needs to get it out with his hands, beat somebody up. Okay, that's a good answer. What do you think, Todd? Mm, judging by the other story we did the other week, I'm not gonna go there. But he's in need. He's in need of some kind of loving. You kind of hit it on the coffin there, Todd. He's in need of a girlfriend. Yes. He's in need of a woman. And at this time, Mark is in desperate need. He wants a girlfriend badly. The only mm. problem is he gets uneasy around women. Mm. Yeah. So, That's a hard time approaching them. Yeah, the hard time. Yeah, the also hard time sounds like someone else we know. Hey, man. <laughs> you died. <laughs> yes, it is, Todd. I will admit that. I will admit. Yeah. Let's just hope he don't go on a rampage. Yes. Um, Keep him away from he, guns. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> he tended to boss women around and show off his knowledge in front of them. So he was the type of person that, also someone we know, showed off his brilliance or showed off what he could do showed off his skills but he wasn't skilled at talking to them he was very bossy Mm. he spoke out to men about his dislike of feminists he didn't like feminists he didn't like yeah yeah that's not gonna get you a girl yeah yeah (laughs) not at all he also didn't like women of careers and women in traditional male occupation such as police forces stating that women should remain in home, caring for their families, and taking care of the children. Whoa, wait a minute. He had a woman in his life to look up to for having a career to take care of him. Where are we going with this? How does that? Where are we going with this? What you think, Doc? I think, <laughs> I think the guy has a little bit of double standard in him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's trying to impress with all the wrong things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, in 1989, this is the year 1989, so we're jumping, we're jumping a little bit. He applied again at the Ecole Polytechnique School. However, this time his application was rejected because of his re- lack of required classes. So in there in March 89, he abandoned the course in computer programming and he performed, even though he performed well in the GEGVP course, obtaining 100% in his final exam. So he was very smart. However, he just didn't meet the requirements. He didn't take rejection too well, huh? Yes, yes, yes. And then the 19th, and a month later, April 1989, he met with a university admission officer and complained about how women were taking over the job market for men. So that's not gonna get any and that's not gonna get any sympathy. No, sir. So this is where it gets interesting. So you probably already know where this is headed, right, babe? I have an idea. What do you think, Todd? I think so too. Oh I mean it doesn't take a mastermind to figure out what he's gonna do next, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much. So several months have been going by. 
and Mr. Mark had been planning massacre. Mm-hmm. He had been planning a massacre for several months. And in August of 1989, Mark had picked up an application for a firearm fire arms acquisition certificate. And in mid-October, he received his permit. Great, because that's what messed up people in the head need. You know where this is going? Yeah. Of course. On November 21st, 1989, Mark purchased a Ruger Mini 14 semi-automatic rifle. Anytime you hear automatic, mm-hmm. you know it's a lot of gun bullets coming out of there. Mm-hmm. He purchased it at a local, you know, a local good store, sporting good store. Between October and December of 1989, Mark was seen at least seven times at the Ecole Polytechnique program. Now keep in mind, he was rejected. Yeah, he's not taking classes. He's not taking classes anymore. He he complained about it. He's studying. That's what he's doing. What you think he's doing? Yeah, he's scoping out the area. Like Gabby said, he's he's checking this. Uh, he's he's probably looking for the exits, where the most people are. Yeah, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, clearly, we know what's going to happen. Four days before what happened, he bought his mother a present. Though it took several weeks, he bought her a present, even though it was several weeks before her birthday. Because he didn't have time that way. Mm-hmm. He also brought a note and two bags of belongings, which she did not discover until after the incident occurred. Two bags of what? Belongings. Okay. Yeah. Mark had previously always been very punctual paying his rent however he had not done so in the in the month of december of 1989 so already things are just just not looking right things aren't just it's just out of shape on december 6 1989 mark walked into the equality technique there he entered a second floor classroom where he separated the men and the women and then ordered the approximately 50 men to leave. Uh-oh. Yeah. Claiming that he was fighting feminism, he shot the nine women who remained, killing six and injuring the rest. After this, Mark moved to other areas of the building, including the cafeteria, corridors, and other classrooms. A total of 14 women, 12 engineers, one nursing student, and one university employee were murdered that day four men and ten women were injured as well before what happened before he shot himself like all cowards do what do you think that i'm gonna go with what she said (laughs) (laughs) well i'm thinking i'm ripping you guys right <laughs> Absolutely, of course, that's what he did. That's what all gunmen and cowards do. You, you messed up, you, you know. Notice how he didn't protest this time, he went along with you. <laughs> exactly, I already know. <laughs> He's all, why, why fight it? Why fight it? <laughs> We're not laughing at what happened, ladies and gentlemen. It's an inside joke that all three of us know. Yes, but yes, you guys are right. Of course, that's what happened. He turned the gun on himself, couldn't face the fact and couldn't face the jail time, so he killed himself. What? 14 women 
four men and 10 other women were injured. So a total of what's that? 14, 10 is 24, and another four. 28 people. 29 if you want to include him. No, he don't count. Okay. Well, 28 people were shot that day. That's their family and friends. Their lives were all affected because of that. That's mm-hmm. a shame. That's a shame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's sad too, because you know what? In a situation like that, what do you do as a man and a woman? Like, as a man, do you sit and try to help your fellow colleagues or your fellow peers? Or do you take the opportunity and say, okay, hey, he told us to leave. I'm gone. And as a woman, what do you do? <laughs> like, do you just sit there or just take it? Or do you fight back knowing that you still could get killed? Like, what do you do? I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, in in a situation like that, I mean, I guess, I guess if it looks like imminent danger, he's going to shoot. I mean, what do you got to lose? Bum rush the guy. You know, I mean, someone's going to get shot, someone's going to get killed, but maybe you could save somebody. You know, I, I, that's what I would do. I would try to go out to. Yeah. 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 I think everybody has the willingness to help in a situation like that, but the trauma you're living in the moment and the shock that you're being released might just move you to run. Mm-hmm. Run before he takes it back and starts shooting us on the back. Yeah, that yeah. too. But at the same time, I mean, some people might be like, well, if we're going to get killed, might as well die trying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was his definitely uh, his blaze of glory in a sense. Now, a three-page suicide letter was found in the pocket of his jacket. That letter was never officially made public, but was leaked in November of 1990, and I actually have that letter. Uh, And I'll probably, I'll read it to you guys at the end. Uh, It was leaked to Francine Pelleteria and published in the newspaper La Presse. And in his letter, Lamarck claimed that political motives, blaming feminists for ruining his life, he had considered himself a rational and expressed admiration for Dennis Lorty, whoever he is, who had mounted an attack on the Quebec National Assembly in 1984 for his political, for political reasons, killing three Quebec government employees. The letter had also contained a list of 19 Quebec women from Lapine's apparent wish to kill because of his feminism. So he already had an idea of who he wanted to kill. The letter also contained, oh, I'm sorry, I read the part. Another letter written to a friend promised the explanation to the massacre lay by following clues left in Lapine's apartment. The hunt led only to a suitcase of computer games and hardware. You know, this is how does Henry don't make sense to me, honestly. Like, he obviously hates women, and he feels like the women are taking over and taking their positions as men, and and women are inferior. But he was not okay with the treatment his mom got as he was growing up. His mom busted her butt to continue supporting him and his sister. And 
taking care of them without the help of their miserable dad. If anything, you would think his anger would be toward men. Toward well, dads. Like, how did your anger come out toward women if you had to admire your mom at some point? Well, keep in mind, his sister abused, uh, humiliated him, abused him mentally to, you know, I know, but I'm saying the, the person, the woman that had the most impact in his life was his mother. Yeah. He helped her all the ways he could. So oh. it doesn't make sense. You're right. You're right. But I mean, I'm not excusing him, but think about it. His sister, like I said, abused him. He had no girlfriend. He was bullied. He tried to approach females, but he, it just didn't come out right. And he didn't know how to communicate with them. So it, I'm not making an excuse for him. I just felt like he was very awkward and he didn't know how to release his true feelings. He could have went. He could have went either way. I mean, he, he really could have went, uh, like Gabby said, or like you too. He could have went against females. He could have went against males, like with the overbearing father. Like I, I would think he'd have a lot of resentment there too. Like she said, so that's pretty crazy. I, I wasn't guessing he was just gonna up and shoot feminists like that. You know, I, I don't know. Weird. Yeah. A police psychiatric who interviewed Mark's family and entourage and who had access to his letters suggested that he may have a serious personality disorder as he chose the multiple homicide suicide strategy killing um, killing himself as well as other and that this is a characteristic of the disorder. Well, you, you guys think he had a personality disorder? Absolutely. That was mm. obvious since he was a kid. Yeah. How they only saw the issues in his sister makes no sense. Yeah. Withdrawal is one of the biggest signs of a disturbed child. I agree. Yeah. By the way, he was buried at the cemetery. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Here we go. <laughs> Cimetière Notre Dame des Negis <laughs> in Montreal, a few blocks away from where he committed the massacre. So oh, he was wow. buried a few blocks away from it. I thought that was very, very ironic. I mean, me personally, I would have just... I would have burned him. I, I would probably just threw him over a river, honestly, or something. something he, <laughs> I wouldn't have honored his burial. I know you're supposed to forgive and, you know, stuff like that, but to take people's life, innocent lives like that, like, I don't think you earn that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. There, there should be a yeah. special, special way to get rid of people like that. Either just or, yes. or or do what they do at the uh, prisons when you die. They just put you in an unmarked grave. Or, or there you or, go. Yeah. Or they just Something put like your that. your number. You know what I mean? Whatever you your cell number was, and that's it. Something like that. Mm -hmm. The uh, psychiatric also noted that he uh, uh, he was an extreme narcissistic. Uh, he was extremely narcissistic, as shown by his fantasies of power and success, combined with high levels of self criticism and difficulties dealing with rejection and failure. Mm -hmm. So those were some of the, there's others, but you know, I don't want to, it's too much detail. I don't want to just read word for word. So I do want to read the suicide statement that was found. Um, this is the following, it says the following is a translation of the suicide letter written by Mark on the day of the shooting. You guys ready for this? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
It says, forgive the mistakes. I had 15 minutes to write this. Please note that if I commit suicide today, December 6, 1989, it is not for economic reasons. For I have waited until I exhausted all my financial means, even refusing jobs, but for political reasons. Because I have decided to send the feminists who have always ruined my life to their maker, for seven years, life has brought me no joy and being totally blessed, I have decided to put an end to those viragos, viragos, whatever that means. I tried in my youth to enter the forces as an officer cadet, which would have allowed me possibly to get into the arsenal and proceed Lord T in a raid. They refused me because a social well, I guess a socialist. I therefore had to wait until this day to execute my plans. In between, I continue my studies in a haphazard way, for they never really interest me, knowing in advance my fate, which did not prevent me from obtaining very good marks despite my theory of handing and work and the lack of studying before exams. Even if the mad killer epithet will be attributed to me by the media I consider myself a rational erudite that only the arrival of the grim reaper has forced to take extreme acts for why persevere to exist if it is only to, to please the government being rather backwards looking by nature except for science the feminists have always enraged me they want to keep the advantage of women cheaper insurance, extended mater maternity leave, preceded by a pre preventative leave, etc., while seizing for themselves those of men. Thus, it is an obvious truth that the Olympic Games removed the men-women distinction. There will be only women in the graceful events. So the feminists are not fighting to remove that barrier. They are so opportunistic they did not they do not neglect to profit from the knowledge accumulated by the men through the ages they always try to misrepresent them every time they can thus the other day i heard they were honoring the canadian men and women who fought at the front line during the world wars how can you explain that since women were not authorized to go to the front line we hear of caesar's female legions and female galley slaves of course, sl slaves who, of course, took up 50% of the ranks of history, though they never existed. A real Cassius Billy. Billy. Sorry for this. Sorry for this too brief letter. Mark Lapine. Well, I'm guessing he wouldn't be a fan of the WNBA nowadays, would he? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Uh,. Also, this letter is followed by the list of 19 names with a note at the bottom. Nearly died today. The lack of time because I started too late has allowed these radical feminists to survive. Wow. So clearly this man was bent out of shape and he just did not like women. His hatred was very big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Side note. Canadians mark the day of the killing as a national day of remembrance and action of violence against women. 
and in 2008, Monique Lapine published Aftermath, a memoir of her, of her own journey through the grief and pain of the incident. Monique is his mother. She has stayed silent until 2006 when she decided to speak out for the first time in the wake of that year, Dawson's College shooting. So she wrote a book? Yeah. What's it called? Uh, published uh, Aftermath, a, Aftermath. Aftermath? Yeah, in 2008, Monique Lepine published Aftermath, a memoir of her own journey through the grief and pain of the incident. Monique Lepine. Monique Lepine. I'm quite sure she suffered through that too, you know. Uh, being that that was your son and, you know, as a woman, you know, and seeing what he did to other women, I'm quite sure it played an effect on her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she, she worked hard to be an exemplary female in his life. Mm-hmm. And but, then to top it off, too, her daughter's yeah. overdose, so she lost both her children. Well, like I said, yeah, that happened after. So he didn't see his sister overdose. He had already committed suicide in 89. So she died she, after. Bet you she felt like crap. Probably. She probably did. Maybe that probably, probably took her, her fall more, fall more into the drugs. Yeah. You know, that happened in 89. She overdosed in 96. Yeah. So, crazy story, man. Crazy story. But yeah. that is the story. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying the, the fact that they just separated the man, you know what I mean? They went, she just went right after him, you know, killed him straight up. Yeah, dude. Like, and that's what I'm saying. It was, what, 40, 50 men in there? I get mm-hmm. it. He got an assault rifle, but as a man, knowing that some of these women are about to be shot up, do yeah. you try to fight back? It's fifty of y'all. That many men could have jumped him. They could have Although, if you would have gotten shot before they got to him, they could have, they could have stopped. Hey man, somebody might have lost their life, but they would have prevented prevented him massacring several more. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Somebody, it's Canada. Somebody had a pocket knife. Something. <laughs> Something. <laughs> I know they don't really care. I don't, what, they can't carry guns over there, right? Yes. They can? Uh, it... I think Canada, no. I don't think you can. It's not I don't think carrier. you can carry guns like that. Really? I don't think yeah. so. If I, I might be mistaken. My Canadians, if you're listening, let me know. Send us a message. Do you, are you guys allowed to carry guns? My, I know Alaska, yes. Alaska, yes. But I don't think, I don't think so. I might be wrong. But um, something, a, a, a lead pipe, you know, you're working, you know, something, a book. You. you know. Well, I know you can have anything hockey on you, so hockey You know what, Todd, you're, you're right. just not going to let me. Or they could have skates on, you know what I mean? They could have ice, a pair of ice skates over their shoulder. Who's your favorite, who's your favorite Canadian hockey player? Favorite Canadian hockey player? Yeah. Uh, I would have to. <laughs> I would have to say uh, either Pavel Bury. I can name a few. Uh, Paul Korea. I don't think he's Canadian. I think he is. I think. I thought he was. Like no, he, no, he's Russian. He's Russian, right? Yeah, he's Russian. There you go. No, nah, well, I, I love Pavel Bury. I'll go with Solani. Solani. Tamo Solani. Tamo Solani. Yeah. Was Rob Blake Canadian? it says canada's laws are meaningfully stricter than those in the u.s yeah all gun owners have to be licensed and all handguns and most semi-automatic weapons have to be registered 
Handguns can't be carried out of the home, either concealed or openly, except with a specific license, which mm-hmm. is usually only given to people who need guns for work. Okay. Licenses require training in gun safety and an extensive background check. Guns have to be kept locked and unloaded. So in other words, no. <laughs> oh, it does. But, um, only for specific reasons. Yeah. Have a special <laughs> so, in other words, no, you can't you can't openly walk around like carrying. Well, not it. just anybody, but if you have a license for it, let's say you're a security guard or an officer of something or whatever, if you have a license, you could. This was 1989. Yeah, yeah, nobody had a gun on them. So, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say my favorite Canadian was Mario Lemieux. Who? There you go, Mario Lemieux. Yeah. I know my hockey. I know my hockey. Shout out Canada. Uh, so that is the story of Mark Lepine. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, the Canadian Royal Police are like, hey, buddy, put that gun away, okay, guy? <laughs> hey, go get me some maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. Let's go have some pancakes, eh? <laughs> oh, my goodness. We love you, Canada. Yes, we do. Don't yeah. take his jokes too personally. Well, I got family there now. This is what Todd and Matt do. Oh yeah, we yeah we just love to have fun. We I, Gabby, declare I have no part in this. Opinion. No, <laughs> you just throw us all on the bus, huh? Run us over, huh? She's wiping her hands. If you guys get to know me and, me and Todd, you guys know that we're just two goofballs. We just like to have fun. We don't mean any ill will. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So. That, um, is, that is the story of Mark Lepine. That was the story, though. Yeah, that guy sounded pretty scary. I don't know how nobody caught it, though. That's oh, yeah. That still left me in shock. So, anyway, thank you, Maddie Matt, for you. giving us that interesting story. Thank you, thank you. It turned out very sad, but you did a great job. Thank you, thank you. So to end the show today, let us remind you where you can find us. You can look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Find our page, Grinding True Crime. If you listen to the podcast, you can go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. And if you are out of the country, listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. And as usual, you know, we describe a lot of details in our show. So listener discretion is always advised for any episode you watch. Not appropriate for kids. Also, we want to remind you we have merchandise on our true crime uh, at redbubble.com. And the search, you can type Fox 80 and you will find all of the things we have available for purchase. And thank you if you support the cost by your purchases and by listening to us. We appreciate you all. This will be it, and we will call it a night from your host, Gabby, along with our narrator today. Maddie Matt. And our other host of the show. Todd Fox. Have a good night, everybody. Toodles. Peace. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>